Well, this week we're going to look at another aspect of Joseph's uh, life and story. And we've been skipping around to different segments of his life. That's okay. It's a, there's a lot to look at and you know, a lot of messages we could kind of glean from his life. Uh, but in the segment, I want to look at it. It's a familiar story of Joseph being in the house of Potiphar. Um, I've given this message, message a title. And the title is, The Accuser is Defeated. The Accuser is Defeated. Now that might give you a clue for, to the story we're going to look at, but someone accused Joseph. Right? Now, he, he was found faithful in Potiphar's house. And, you know, the testimony uh, was, was quite awesome of, of his life as a slave, you know, but he was found so faithful that Potiphar... He didn't know and he didn't care what went, took place because he knew it was in good hands in Joseph. All right? it, it actually says he didn't even know what went on except for the bread he ate. All right? So he, as long as he had a good meal, he was happy. Uh, you know, and he knew everything else was being taken care of. And of course, the, the story goes, it actually says that in Scripture, Joseph was good looking. All right? I don't know if you, that ever jumped out to you. He was a good looking young man. And Potiphar's wife noticed that. And so, uh, you know, Potiphar's wife had eyes for him, and that had brought some trouble for Joseph. And so, uh, you know, she started making propositions and so forth and uh, kind of pressuring Joseph, but he would have nothing of that. But yet it continued day after day, week after week, and who, for who knows how long. But there was one time when Joseph was alone in the house and she caught him and she actually caught hold of him. She wasn't going to let him go and uh, trying to entice him. Well, he just said, oh, well, you can have what I'm wearing. And it just like, slipped that. Out. I don't know if it was a, a coat or a vest or a garment, but he just slipped right out of that and ran out the door. Well, that must have made her pretty mad because she decided then and there, well, I've had enough of this. You know, I'm going to. I'm going to make an accusation. But Joseph knew, right, it wasn't just a trap this woman set. It was a trap that the enemy was setting for him, trying to destroy his character and his testimony, which would have affected his inheritance, eternal inheritance. Uh, but, but now we're coming to the part of the story I really want to focus on because, you see, when, when the enemy can't find anything to tempt us with, He'll just start making stuff up, right? Making accusations. And, and when he cannot corrupt our conduct, he goes after our reputation. And so Potiphar's wife tells her husband, hey, Joseph tried to force his advances on me, and I cried out, and he ran, and he ran so fast he left this garment. Well, he did run so fast he left that garment, but that, you know, it was the opposite. He was running to get away from her. Um, of course, Potiphar heard this accusation and didn't think twice. He just threw Joseph in prison unjustly. But you know, that, that is a picture of what we face today because we still face that adversary. And he has a specific name, right? The scripture points that out to us. Revelation 12 and verse 10, you know, John is seeing this and 
uh, in heaven. And he says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven and come now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them, which you can you can put that us, right? <laughs> He's accusing us. We're included in the them. And it says Bef- before God, day and night. There's a couple, there's a couple of you know, amazing points there is that he still has access and God puts up with him coming day and night, making accusations against the people of God. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for that and a reason. We won't get into that. But, but John is seeing a specific situation. And actually, this is not too far off in the grand scheme of things where the kingdom of God is going to come and the accuser of our brethren is cast down. He's cast out and he can no longer accuse anymore. But for right now, he's still working. Just for this short remainder of the season of the age of the church, he's still at work. And what's he doing? He's accusing the the brothers and sisters in Christ day and night. You know, we see it in Job, right? From the very beginning, Job's one of the first accounts, historical accounts in, you know, in history and in scripture. Even the most righteous man in all the earth was being accused when he had absolutely nothing, you know, that, that he could have found that uh, done wrong in his life, right? And, and many thousands of years ago, there were still an assembly in heaven and the accuser was there. And he had come from, you know, roaming the earth, going back and forth, looking for those he could accuse and defeat. And, and you know, what did he say about Job to God? Well, in Job 1 and verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, blameless and upright, one who fears God and shuns evil. Verse 11, well, Here's, here's part of the accusation. And just stretch out your hand and touch what he has, and he'll curse you to your face. And of course, God allowed him to test Job, but Job's response was right. He said, God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And he triumphed in that. We'll look at triumphing in a, in a little bit, but, but you know, there's that, that thought of how we triumph anyway. But there's that thought that the accuser has been working for a long time and we all have probably and we all will experience his accusations coming against us. You know, sometimes we can have a, accusing thoughts in our mind, you know, bombarding us of how we are weak and fall short, you know, and, but we can, we can still tell the difference. The enemy accuses, but the Holy Spirit convicts. And it's the conviction of the spirit that we want to focus on. And, you know, the, the accusations, we'll look at how we can overcome. But even in that, we have good news, right? Because the first thing is that the accuser has already been defeated. He's lost already. So he's making these accusations knowing he's already lost the battle and the war. Because Christ faced all the accusations he could muster against him. And he overcame in life and through the cross and defeated the enemy. You know, he, he tried to find all these things he could accuse Christ of, like the Pharisees tried to find people to accuse him. And they were all contradicting each other. You know, that's the, that's the voice of the enemy for you. 
It's just confusion. But Jesus, there was nothing that he could accuse him of. In fact, Jesus said these wonderful words, John, 40, or John 14 and verse 30. He told his disciples, I'm not going to talk with you too much longer. The ruler of this world is coming, but he doesn't have anything in me. There's nothing he can convict me of. There's nothing he can, can uh, accuse me of. He had overcome. And so Christ could defeat his enemy. You know, the enemy came looking and accusing, but he could find nothing in him, in him so all his accusations were false. He lost and Christ won because he could find nothing in him. And you know, that's the place God wants to bring us to, to give us victory after victory, to bring us from strength to strength. So the enemy comes and, well, he can't find anything in us because God's done a work of righteousness, of holiness, like Job, so that the enemy can't get through the hedge that God has put round about us because we have been obedient to the faith. And so the, the accuser has been defeated. You know, Jesus said the ruler of this world has been judged. And then, he, then Jesus came, uh, he overcame, and they sat down with his father on his throne. Also Colossians 1.13, it says, He has, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so we're on the winning side too. And if we will overcome and hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful, then we'll overcome as well because we're with Christ. And he will enable us to overcome the, the accusations. But there, there are some things we want to understand for how we can overcome these these accusations. You know, we already saw how Job responded, and our response is so important in, in situations of life. Right? We looked at Job. You know, David also went through uh, situations where he was accused. One of them was during Absalom's rebellion. Right? And you remember when he, he and his company were fleeing Jerusalem because Absalom was coming, and a man named Shimei came and made all sorts of accusations and he was throwing stones and throwing dust, right? He was making a big scene against the king, you know, and he called him a bloodthirsty man and oh, you're just receiving your just reward. Of course, Shimei was a relative of Saul, so he probably had an agenda there, or at least he was, you know, from that, that line. But what's remarkable is David's response he didn't let his men deal with Shimei like his men were greatly offended that this man would speak against the king at this time. And David said, no, don't touch him. But look at his response in 2 Samuel 16 and verse 12. He said, don't touch him because it may be the Lord will look on my affliction and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing. He will repay me with good because of the evil that's coming. Now, David knew he, he was not a perfect man, right? He had made mistakes, obviously, but he placed his life and his family and his reputation into the hands of God. And his confession was one of hope. He said, God, you know, my, hands are, my life is in his hands and God, 
I believe he's going to repay me good for this evil. He didn't try to defend himself or his reputation or hold on to something. You know, even sent the ark back and said, well, if God delights in me, he'll bring me back into that place and before his ark to worship him. Instead, we have to hold fast to God and to trust in him and to hope in him and to hold fast to, to what he's leading us to do. And he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of our reputation. He'll, he'll justify us in the end because he always shows what's true and what's false at the end of the day, the end of the matter. There's another example of one who was accused. I was thinking of uh, Joshua the high priest. Yeah, and in this example, again, he was not perfect. right? There were, there were actually issues that needed to be dealt with in the life of the high priest. Right? He was, there was some uncleanness there. But look at what, how, what is said about him because he faced some accusations. In Zechariah 3 and verse 1, you know, he was shown Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And I'm sure Satan had some choice words. You know? and, but here's the response of the Lord. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? And Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. So here's Joshua before he's the high priest of Israel, standing before the angel of the Lord. The problems are his spiritual garments are spotted and stained. They, they, there's a cleansing that needs to take place. But you know, God makes provision for that in the preceding, preceding verses. You know, he he, he cleanses and he does that. But, but look at what God says. The Lord rebuke you, not to Joshua, but to the accuser, to Satan. You know, Joshua still needed to be cleansed, but that's in God's hands. Not in the hands of men or even of angels. It's in the hands of God. And so God is allowing the accuser for a time, but his time is running out, to work in us to test us. And when we hear the accuser roar, uh, our prayer life tends to get better. Right? It tends to increase. Uh, we get a little more fervent. But for, you know, for the accuser, there's nothing but judgment. And that's important because it's not just Satan as our accuser, but there's a spirit of that going throughout the earth. Right? Sometimes people take it upon themselves to point out other people's faults and errors and weaknesses and failings, you know, and, and whether they be true or not, right? With, you know, with David, there was some truth there and he, he had weaknesses and it affected the nation. Joshua, the high priest, he had filthy garments in the spirit and he had need to be cleansed. Those things were true, but what did the Lord say? He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And I'm sure he was... You know, he was allowing Shimei to do it, but Shimei was bringing upon himself a curse that he, you know, reaped the fruit of that later on. But there's a spirit of that going throughout the earth, and we want to be very careful of that. Because if we're not being, you know, we can see the, you know, even the faults and weaknesses of others, and we can be tempted to say something, you know, that's kind of in our nature, 
But yet we want to be so careful. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit because we can find ourselves in a precarious situation. In fact, there's a previous verse in, in, in uh, Zechariah chapter 2 that tells us why we need to be careful. And, and Zechariah 2.8 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after uh, glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. You know, people can accuse and touch, and sometimes God uses them to work in his people, but they're actually touching the apple of his eye. And so they're in turn judged later on. And so we, we want to be aware of that accusing spirit taking place in the earth and trust in God, but we also want to be aware that that has no part in us. You know, I remember, in fact, I will never forget a message Pastor Bailey shared, and he, and he shared something that the Lord spoke to him. He was preaching on the, the wheat and the tares, and, and he, he was sharing how God spoke to him about the wheat and the tares. And God said to him, one way you can identify the tares, right? Because they're hard to identify. You got to wait till they get mature. But how do you tell the difference? And God said, one way you identify the tares is the tares always attack the wheat. The tares attack the wheat. And that stayed with me. Right? Because when people have allowed an, an accusing spirit to come in, it's a very serious thing. And, and they can start attacking people thinking, well, hey, I'm righteous and you guys have issues. When in reality, they'll let a spirit in. And that spirit takes them on a different pathway. Well, there's other reasons why that spirit comes in as well. But, but you know, it takes them on a different pathway. You know, when... You know, even in the church, when someone is attacking another, it, sometimes it's an indicator of the pathway they're on. And so we want to be so careful and mindful and watchful that we have nothing to do with that accusing spirit. Not that I'm even worried about that here, but it's, it's something we want to be aware of, that that spirit is operating. Now, I want to spend the last few minutes... That part took longer than, not, than, than I was anticipating. But I want to just think about overcoming the accuser. And I'm going to come back to that verse we read in Revelation 12. And, you know, we read about the accuser, but then the next verse talks about how he is overcome. And so let's read that again. Revelation 12, 10, where John, he, he's in heaven, and he hears that loud voice saying, Now has come salvation and strength the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ, the accuser of their brethren is cast down. He sees that day when he's cast out of heaven. But then verse 11, and it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They love, they love not their lives unto death. And so here is how we as the saints can overcome the accuser. We could do a whole sermon on just, you know, just this verse. No, but we won't. I'll, I'll bring out just a few points. But, you know, they overcame him by the blood. And the blood is so important. And we know what John also said about the blood, 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with another, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so to overcome these accusations, we want to make sure 
we're constantly exposing ourselves to the light of Christ, that allowing the light shine in us and, and even get into the hidden places, the hidden motives of our heart. And even sometimes we have to say, Lord, if there's something hidden, just shine your light on it. Bring it to the light that it can be cleansed, that nothing dark remains. And then it's cleansed and washed by the blood. Also, the word of their testimony. You know, they overcame by their testimony or their response. We saw this in Job, how he experienced a intense and, you know, from a natural perspective, you'd say that's, that's not a fair trial or experience for someone to, to have. But yet his response was beautiful. You know, Pastor Paul Karam has often said in his courses, in his books, he says, the reason why mankind is so bound and not able to obtain victory is because of wrong responses to injury. You know, when people respond in a wrong way, the grace of God is available, but because of that wrong response and wrong confession and holding on to, to hurt, it keeps us from reaching out and apprehending the grace of God that is available. And so we need to focus on our right response so that we can apprehend the grace to overcome. And then the last, the third part, not loving our lives unto death. You know, putting our lives in our way and really everything, our reputation, our plan, even the promises and the calling of God, we can't love that more than just following the Lamb wherever He leads us. And so we put that on the altar and we lay it with him, knowing that when we put ourselves in his hands, something important is taking place, right? Because when people come against us and we're in his hand, they're coming against the apple of his eye and he's very protective of that. And of course, we're just walking in the pathway of the one who has already obtained the victory for us. One last set of verses anyway. Philippians 2.7. And how did Jesus overcome? What was his pathway? It says, He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashioned in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. And that's the part where we have to just put our lives upon the altar and our will and not love it but trust God even to the death of those things. And what's the result is verse nine. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and give him a name which is above every name. And that's the pathway he wants to lead us in so that we're lifted up with him. And so as we see with Joseph's story, the accuser is roaring, right? His voice is still heard in the earth. His spirit is still working. And we want to make sure we have nothing to do with that. We may feel it. We may, you know, we may experience it. But yet we can take heart knowing that he's already been defeated. And his only purpose and the only reason why he is still around is that God is using him to work in us and to prepare the way for his kingdom to come. We may hear his words and feel his effect, but let's keep our eyes on the one who has overcome, who has triumphed. In the midst of our difficulties, let's endeavor to have a right confession. 
to let our lips say what is pleasing to God, a confession of hope that we hold on to. When we do that, we won't be ashamed. Like Job. Sometimes God gives, sometimes he takes away, but let his name always be blessed. Or David, his confession of hope was, you know, God is going to see my difficulty, but he can turn it for good. He will turn it for good. And so David placed his life in the hands of the one who will protect him and protect us as the apple of his eye. And Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, thank you that we're following the one who has overcome and who has conquered and has defeated all his enemies. Lord, thank you that even though the accuser is still speaking and still roaring and working and his spirit is working in the earth, oh God, we just look to you. We set our hope in you, Lord, that you will keep us, that you'll preserve us, that you'll work, oh God. Oh, do your work in our midst, we pray. Oh God, just keep us from that spirit, Lord, and cause us to have, Lord, a good and a right confession. Oh, that we can hope in you, Lord, that we can trust in your mercy. Oh, Lord, and to lay our lives at your feet, that we can be lifted up with you to sit with you in heavenly places. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.